Our Father, indeed, we are a people who have experienced the deep. Some of your people enter this morning in, in distress of soul, and we count on mercy being obtained from the throne of grace to which we plead. And I pray, Father, that your people can walk away from here today having heard words of life and then may even take into their hands reminders of the broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ. Might they be reminded that there is an eternity that awaits us a place in which we will find uh, no more tears, no more sin. And I pray that the worship of your people today might give you pleasure and grant us hope. Father, for others who come here today with a, with a sense of real buoyancy of spirit, we pray that you will use them as, a, as a, uh, an encouragement for all others. And that you might remind them that that great bounty that they feel in their soul is something that was granted by the giver of every good and perfect gift, our Father of light, with whom there is no shifting shadow. And I pray, Father, that you will take all of us and make us into a people that are useful for your cause, useful for your purposes, that, uh, that we might indeed be useful in reaching this community in pointing them to the place where they can find meaning. That we as beggars might go to other beggars and point them to the place where we found bread. And I pray, Father, that you will accept these gifts. They are small, they are but a portion, but they are indeed expressions from the base of our souls that we love the thrice holy God and that we trust him with our financial future. We make our prayer this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. The text, which is in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 1, we'll read just the first four verses. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, it endures forever and ever and ever and ever. I, just to get everybody on the same page, let me remind you what I'm up to across the summer. I'm trying to uh, take a couple of weeks with each, maybe, maybe one with some and three with the others, but um, to go over the core values of Grace Evangelical Church. This insert is in your bulletin and will be there in there periodically across the summer. Because we want you to know the things that are really valuable among us. I spent a couple of weeks talking about number one, which was truth, and then last week I told you that as a result, as a, in response to my own wedding anniversary, which was last Sunday, my wife and I celebrated 30, 30 years of marriage last Sunday, I thought it might be appropriate to skip down to number four, which had to do with the biblical family units. And, and so last week, I introduced this core value of the biblical family unit and said then that um, 
Um, we do a lot of talking around here about husband and wives and their roles. That's important that marriages be solid and sound. Very frankly, ladies and gentlemen, uh, uh, James Dobson, I think it was, who said, the only thing that a man and a woman really needs is a peaceful home. And if we, by God's grace, can, can prompt you and steer you to a, uh, a more enjoyable home, we will have done a great, uh, we would have had a great ministry in your life. So that's, that's important to you. We understand that. It's important to us. But one of the things that we haven't addressed very much, it has to do with the parenting end of a biblical family unit. We do talk about husbands. We do talk about wives. We do talk about marriage. But we don't talk much about parenting. And so, as our text uh, begins by saying that children are to be obedient to the Lord, or obedient to, their, uh, to the Lord, for this, to their parents, in the Lord, because this is right. And so last week, um, I introduced this subject, which I want to finish up today. That is, how to pass on some family values. And um, I, I think what we do uh, oftentimes is pass on family heirlooms, or pass on uh, status symbols, but status symbols, ladies and gentlemen, are, are poor excuses for values. We're trying to pass on values, a value system to our children. And by the way, I didn't say this to the first hour last week, and I, I want to say it now. And, and you th if you're sitting here this morning thinking that you're too old for this, then let me encourage you to reopen your ears, because I know uh, Susie and I, as grandparents, are finding that we're still parenting, we're, we have one that's still in college, but we have two married, and we're still parenting. We're parenting all three of them, still. And so um, I guess you never get too old or beyond those years that you stop parenting. So don't, don't go to sleep yet. But uh, I said last week, there are, we, we want to pass on values, but which ones? Which values do we want to pass on? And I mentioned three last week. I'm just going to mention them and then add two more this morning and then close with how to pass on those family values. The, the first value that I mentioned last week is that our homes must be dominated by righteousness. That is, righteousness reigns, not daddies, not children. But righteousness is to dominate in our homes. Secondly, our homes are to be marriage-centered, not children-centered. You know, there, there is a subtle message that is out there that where there is a child with problems, there is a mother who has failed to give enough attention or praise. Well, that might be so, but it might not be so either, ladies and gentlemen. My concern is that mothers have become so kid-centered they've forgotten how to be wives. The home is to be marriage-centered, not children-centered. And then um, the, other, the other one, really, which had two prongs to it, I wanted, I, the, one of the values that I think that we must pass on is that of respect for adults and then responsibility. I said last week that the only thing that our children really need more of is family chores. Um, we need to pass on to our children that they are responsible. It's not, it's not that I'm a perfect parent, and um, if, 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 the problem, if a problem arises in the child, it's not necessarily due to a parental failure. There has to be responsibility taken by our children. Now, there's two other values that I want to mention this morning and then talk about how to pass those on, and I'll finish and we'll head to the Lord's table. Here's uh, value number four. Mommy 
is queen. You know, ladies and gentlemen, um, I don't know of if, if more discipline than went on in our home than because of the way that the children treated, not me, but my wife. And I, I have said more than once, you might treat daddy like that, but you are not going to treat my wife like that. Because in this home, mommy is queen. And you know, guys, if we were to establish that our wives are not to be treated improperly by our children, there, is a, there are numerous lessons to be learned. For instance, young boys begin to figure out how women are to be treated. And young girls begin to figure out how they are to be treated by men. When daddy steps forward and says, you will not, you will not treat my wife like that. Do you understand? Because in this home, mommy's queen. And so I say to you, my dear brothers, get started. It's time to send the signal to our children that we will not tolerate them abusing and misusing and mistreating the wives, our wives, and their mothers. We will not tolerate that because a family value is mommy's queen and mommy's going to be treated like that. The fifth one that I want to mention, or sixth, however you remember them, is this. And this is rather vague, and I'm, I'm not sure you can get your mind around it, but I'll try anyway. The, the, the last value I want to mention is that love is in the air. Um, let me tell you what I mean. Uh, years ago, uh, Susie and I had just started our family, and I, I, I think Gracie had been born. She was our first, of course. But there was a family in our church in Florida, and the, the couple had four girls. Maybe we had all our girls. I, I forget. But they, this family had four girls. And, of course, we were really attentive to families with girls. And this family had, had four of them, and it was a delightful family. I, I mean, they, they really seemed to have a, and, and they still do, by the way. And I, I think our estimate was at least correct. They had a delightfully peaceful, wonderful family, and all four of those girls uh, loved their daddy and mommy. And so one day, I took the daddy out to lunch, and I said to him, How'd you do that? Could you tell me how'd you do that? Because I want to do that myself. How'd you do that? And here's the only thing he told me. He said, well, Jimmy, uh, years ago, when my family was still small, I, I paid a visit to him. He was a dentist. I, paid a, uh, I went to a dentist thing out in Texas. I, I think it was Dallas. It was in Texas someplace. Um, and I stayed with another friend of ours who was a dentist, and they had three girls. He said, our family was young, and their family was older than ours, and they had three daughters, and, and uh, I had four daughters. And uh, here's what I saw. He said, they would pass each other in the hall, and Daddy would look at, the, at one of his girls and say, I love you. She said, I love you. And they'd just keep walking. And uh, they'd come to the supper table, and, and one would leave and go out the back door, and I love you. I love you. They'd pick up the phone and say, hi, Daddy loves you. And they'd, Daddy loves you. I love you, too. Hi, darling, I love you. I love you, too. I, and they were constantly repeating, I love you. I love you. Hi, I love you. Every phone conversation, hi, bye, I love you. I love you. you know, because love is in the air. Ladies and gentlemen, I, don't, I, can't, I can't scientifically demonstrate why that makes a difference. But I am here to tell you, it makes a difference. Um, I, I'm telling you, I must tell my wife I love her four, five, six times a day. I tell my children every time I'm in a conversation with them. And it began when they were children. 
all because this dentist told me that that's what he saw in this other guy. His family was working, that family was working. And you know what, ladies and gentlemen? I, I think it has sown, it has borne rich fruit in our home as well. Now that's three generations. All I can tell you is, love is in the air. We're constantly saying it. We're constantly using the word. I love you. 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 Do you love me? I love you. I love you. Constantly. And I think that's a value that needs to be established in our homes, that love is in the air. Now, th those are the five or six, depending on how you number them, values that I think should be pad uh, passed on. Guys, I know that's not a comprehensive list, and you could add to my list and improve it greatly. Go ahead. I, I want you to. I want you to figure out the values that are important in your home and make sure that those get passed along instead of the heirlooms and the status symbols. Uh, I hope there's an heirloom that you can pass on. That'd be nice too. But what's going to make your children people of character is not the heirloom, it's not the status symbol, it's not that you leave them a trust fund or a, an automobile. It's going to be, as you pass on, family values. Now, how do you do that? Well, guys, um, if you're, gonna, if you're thinking that about now I'm going to have some marvelously profound words, I'm, I'm about to disappoint you. Because I think the question of how is pretty much easily answered. I think you already know the answer as to how to pass on family values. But in case you'd like some suggestions, let me mention two. The Bible has one. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 6. You might uh, want to take a look at it. But ladies and gentlemen, you and I are all under mandate. Uh, this, is not, this is not advice from uh, God. This is a mandate. Uh, I'm in Deuteronomy 6. Let's begin at verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That's called the Hebrew Shema. Very famous, still used in Hebrew uh, synagogues all across the world. And verse 6, and these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. You know, one of the, the great... Um, sadnesses and uh, uh, failures of Israel is that she took this and she took it pretty literally. And so she put the little thing, she put the frontlets on her head and on the doorpost, etc., etc. But if you'll notice in verse 6, these words which I command you today shall be not on your doorposts. Put them there, that'd be great. Uh, have you ever seen those little things, the mezuzah outside the, little, the door? I mean, we had one outside our door. We bought it when we were in Israel. We had one outside our bedroom. Well, those things were to contain the law of God. And Israel still does that today. Um, I think I've got the right word. But, but anyway, you've seen those little boxes outside. Well, there's one outside our door right now. They were, but the point was not to have them on the outside of your door. The point was to get them in your heart. The goal was to have God and thoughts about God dominating. How did that happen? Teach them diligently to your children. And she'll talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk, by the way, on and on and on. You know, as a parent, 
you've heard me say with sadness, and I'm, I'm getting better. I just want y'all to know, um, I have many psychological problems that I can't share with all of them with you. But one of them is this aging thing has not been something I've done very gracefully. But because my body is giving way, I'm going to have to get used to it. But the thing that I, I, I have said before that I miss the most about my girls leaving and being married and gone and all that business is the conversations that we would have around the table. Uh, it might not surprise you to know that every young was very verbal. Um, we're all good talkers and pretty much loud talkers. Um, and um, they learned that well. But uh, um, I used to love the conversations that we would get into around the table concerning the things of God. It wasn't a text. Sometimes it was. Sometimes it was, a, it was an idea. It was a philosophical uh, argument. It was, and, and I, I miss that. And very honestly, when we get back together over holidays, guess what we do? We're usually talking about something that C.S. Lewis said or something that G.K. Chesterton has said or something that, the, something that we found uh, in an article that, that relates to the things of God. Ladies and gentlemen, how do you pass on family values? You teach them. You teach them diligently, which demands an investment of time. Now, if, if, you're, if you're hung up over this quality versus quantity, I say to you, get unhung up because it demands both quality and quantity because we're going to teach the precepts and mandates, the values to our children. But I have to tell you, that's easy. <laughs> that's the easy one. You know what the hard one is? That is, in terms of communicating values, the easy one is sitting them down at a table and saying, well, the Bible says this, and, uh, you know, it means that, and you need to go do that. That's easy. The other way that you pass on family values is that you model them. Let me show you just real quickly, um, just, just for your own. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, um, Paul says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. He says in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, this, this is, that's a nice statement. Be imitator of God. Okay, it might be an imitator of God. You know you want to do that. But listen to what he says over here in 1 Corinthians 4.16. He says, therefore I urge you, imitate me. He says that a couple times, by the way. He says it in 11.1. He says that over there, too. He says the same thing. Um, imitate me, just as I also imitate Christ. One of my sadnesses is that my children do imitate me. But ladies and gentlemen, if I'm going to pass on anything, I'm going to have to pass it on by living it fleshing it out. I want my children I want my children to watch me and hear me pray. I want them to watch me and hear me confess my sin. I want them to watch me and see me cry. I want them to watch me and see me respond to my wife. 
i want them to watch me and see me repent of my sin i want them to watch me and see me give you know ladies and gentlemen speaking of giving do your children know what things you value i'll tell you how to do it just let them watch you give let them see how much you're sacrificing for the game or aren't sacrificing that you pay a hundred dollars for that but you pay 450 for the country club then they'll know they'll know what you value they'll get it they'll pick it up you know rarely does a parent ever sit down with his children and give them lessons as to how they might be more selfish now son if you really want to be selfish this is how you do it or we don't have to teach them uh, how to, we don't sit them down and, and teach them how to be uh, indifferent or irresponsible or neglectful. They somehow just, they just pick it up by watching us. Our children must watch. They will watch. And they'll watch us deal with their wives and they'll watch us deal with our husbands. They'll watch us get all defensive over our sin. They'll watch us value stuff and not value eternity. And they'll get themselves a mother and daddy stamped value system. The one that you taught them. Ladies and gentlemen, you know how to pass on values. We teach it and we model it. And uh, in the final analysis, ladies and gentlemen, what we pass on to them in terms of their values will shape the way they really live the rest of their lives. I want to close with this. This is really witty. Well, it's not witty, it's anecdotal. Um, by Paul Harvey. You know, he has a way of doing that. You're going to want this. <laughs> I don't even know where I got it, but it's typed, so I got it from, I'm sure it's from email from somebody, one of you. Way to go. Thanks, y'all. But here it is. Paul Harvey says, We tried so hard to make things better for our kids that we made them worse. For my grandchildren, I'd like better. I'd really like for them to know about hand-me-down clothes and homemade ice cream and leftover meatloaf sandwiches. I really would. I hope you learn humility by being humiliated and that you learn honesty by being cheated. I hope you learn to make your own bed and mow the lawn and wash the car. And I really hope nobody gives you a brand new car when you are 16. It will be good if at least one time you can see puppies born and your old dog put to sleep. I hope you get a black eye fighting for something you believe in. I hope you have, a, have to share a bedroom with your younger brother. And it's all right if you have to draw a line down the middle of the room. But when he wants to crawl under the covers with you because he's scared, I hope you let him. When you want to see a movie and your little brother wants to tag along, I hope you let him. I hope you have to walk uphill to school with your friends and that you live in a town where you can do it safely. On rainy days when you have to catch a ride, I hope you don't ask your driver to drop you two blocks away so you won't be seen riding with someone as uncool as your mom. If you want a slingshot, I hope your dad teaches you how to make, it, make one instead of buying one. 
I hope you learn to dig in the dirt and read books. When you learn to use computers, I hope you also learn to add and subtract in your head. I hope you get teased by your friends when you had your first crush on a girl. And when you talk back to your mother that you learn what ivory soap tastes like. May, your skin, may you skin your knee climbing a mountain, burn your hand on a stove, and stick your tongue on a frozen flagpole. I don't care if you try a beer once, but I hope you don't like it. And if, friend, and if a friend offers you dope or a joint, I hope you realize he is not your friend. I sure hope you make time to sit on a porch with your grandpa and go fishing with your uncle. May you feel sorrow at a funeral and joy during the holidays. I hope your mother punishes you when you throw a baseball through your neighbor's window and that she hugs and kisses you at Christmas time when you give her a plaster mold of your hand. These things I wish for you, tough times and disappointment, hard work and happiness. To me, it's the only way to appreciate life. You know, my friends, American parents have become the most insecure, anxious, indecisive, guilt-ridden bunch of parents to ever populate the face of the planet. And I think it's because we've lost sight of some of these values that need to dominate in our homes. Give it some thought and prayer. Let's pray. Our Father, I, I do pray that you will make, give us homes, families in our church that are oh so terribly strong, so rich in terms of their values, so rich in terms of their commitments to holy things. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you will use us as moms and dads to communicate to our children the things that are really important. There's not a parent in this room that doesn't value highly their children. Help us to value them rightly. And now, Father, as we move towards this table, I pray that you will speak to us at the base of our souls and remind us that the cornerstone of our hope of eternity is being played out dramatically before us. We embrace this Christ all over again. And we do so in Jesus' name. Amen.